Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hockey at the Rock. It's been a while, uh, but as the New Jersey Devils enter the All-Star break, they're on their bye week in preparation for that. Uh, They have limped into that in more ways than one. 30% of the salary cap of the team is injured or more than that, right? Um, It's it's been a rough time. It's been a very, very rough time, and there's a lot to catch up on. But uh, I'm Dan Rosell, and I'm joined by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hi, Dan. Uh, it's It's been a bit. Do you want to catch the people up on, you know, not what they've missed since I assume most of you have been watching, but just a recap of what we've seen over yeah. the last couple of weeks. I'll, I'll give a high-level recap of each of the game, and I'll try my best to honor Chris Berman, who probably is, well, you know, probably fine, actually. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm going to try to do this. As quickly as it's possible, the way he, only he could. Although I can't promise any whoops or any you know, references to you know back 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 or any of those other things he said over the last forty years at ESPN. Well, that's why it's so, his catchphrase. Of course, it's his. I'm I'm not him. Anywho, so let's begin first with the trip to the first with a road trip starting in Tampa Bay on the 11th. The Devils actually played really well in their first game that we're going to talk about at. Uh, in Tampa Bay, except for a man named Vitek Vanacek. He had an awful game, but, but the Devils made a comeback, grinded out a point, and then proceeded to lose. Um, you lost 4-3, but hey, you got a point in Tampa Bay, considering all the mounting injuries at the time. And then on the 13th, that same injured roster, 1-4-2-1 in Florida, in Sunrise. They told to Kachuk, they told Reinhardt, they told Verhege, Vergehi, all those other odd Barkov. names like Bar- well not Barkov I was actually referring to the Finnish man uh Lusorainen and oh yeah there you go uh told them all nope you're getting a four one loss Bobrovsky got torched early for three goals Nico Dawes stood on his head for the remainder of the game get the dub then you go to Boston on the fifteenth one p.m. Martin Luther King Jr. Day again Nico Dawes was the man for the first period as the Devils didn't show up to play in the first period. Then Boston scored two goals in the second period, added an empty netter, and, you know, Jer- Jeremy Swayman was perfect. Um, it just kind of feels like the Devils against Boston the last, like, half decade to decade just do cannot. They're they're not at the no. same level as them in any game. They had their number during the pandemic season, but True. who cares about that at the but point? That is completely different, yeah. Anyway, but normally that wouldn't be such a bad loss, except the Devils are in this situation where they kind of need points all the time. And this was felt again on the 17th at home against Montreal. Again, another sad sack performance for the first two periods that saw the Devils give up two goals. Um, You know, but then the Devils 
you know, Nick Suzuki decided I'm going to high stick a devil and draw blood. So the devils get the double mine, double minor uh, power play in their favor. Luke Hughes gets you a goal. Alexander gets a Holtz. Alexander Holtz <laughs> gets you a goal. Alexander Goltz. That's what you should call him. But Mr. Lindy Ruff said, I'm going to bench Mr. Goltz because I don't need scoring on my team. And then John Marino got bodied out by uh, a five foot seven guy named Cole Caulfield that ended up scoring the game winning goal with less than five minutes to go. And everybody except for the Montreal fans left the arena in bemusement. Oh, and Ryan Novozinski asked Mr. Ruff about, hey, how come you only gave Ruff uh, Holtz two shifts after the game? Correction, Mr. Novozinski, it was only three. But, and then Lindy Ruff proceeded to tell Ryan Novozinski, well, you don't watch the game very well, and I benched him because he made a silly little mistake in the second period that led to nothing. Yeah, there's a there's a double standard that developed Oh, this continued, uh, and the double standard continued. Through, through the game yesterday with one uh, Kevin Ball, just just going to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, but uh, we'll continue on to the 19th where the Devils go into Ohio. And, yes, they gave up the first goal. And then in the second period, the Devils blew up for four goals. That's right, Dan. You know who gave you a goal? That's right. Nathan Bastion gave you a goal, wow. as did Nico Heischer, as did Alexander Goltz which also got an assist from Calfoot and uh, Max Willman. And the opening score came from the aforementioned John Marino. So he kind of, I guess, sort of kind of redeemed himself. Uh, but Vanacek played well in this game. And then it was Breland night, Dan. Sergey Breland. Oh. Ring wait, of wait, wait, honor wait, wait, night don't for forget, Breland. Don't forget, it was also the second night of a back-to-back set. Uh, exactly. And to be <laughs> fair, when they set this date for the honor. I don't know if they actually had the full schedule and more importantly, didn't expect the devils to be one in seven going into the second half of back-to-backs uh, this season. Well, Dallas marched into Newark after the lovely ceremony to Mr. Sergey Berlin, a current member of the coaching staff, no less, and proceeded to demonstrate that the devils filled their hockey pants with a, you know what, as the stars just styled and profiled all over the uh, New Jersey devils. You got a power play goal from Joe Pavelski. You got a shorthanded goal from Rope Hints. You got Matt Duchesne. You got another goal from Rope Hints. Literally, you go into the second intermission for nothing. And Mr. Lindy Ruff thought to himself, and he revealed this after the after the game in the post game presser. Dan, we lost four. We were losing four nothing. I just want to win the rest of the game. Uh-huh. Did they win the rest of the game? No. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Smith and Johnson scored two, scored to make it six nothing. Jesper Bratt gets a goal just to get on the board, and then Tyler Toffoli, Mr. Kavi Emptor himself, Michael Ryder 2.0, gets you a goal to make it even at two two in the third period. And you know it was a total consolation goal. You lost six two. The Devils, it, for a lot of the people who matter, Dan, this game broke them. Like mm-hmm. this was a realization of. Oh my goodness. Yes, there's injuries. Yes, there's problems with the team. Yes, there's guys who are not playing their best, but you cannot defend this level of effort, this lack of preparation, this general performance on such a big night at home. Yes, Dallas is a good team. Yes, it's the second half of back to back. Welcome to NHL hockey. Figure it out. These guys just didn't. This game broke a lot of fans. And so the feelings, the vibes around the team have went from um, you know, a little bit of, well, they're still close. They're still trying to get there. I don't understand what people are getting unhappy about too. Oh, I get it. It's bad, Dan. Of yeah. course, there was some respite on Monday for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. The defending champions came to the Rock. And Bruce Cassidy, after the game, called this a beer league game, which I think is an appropriate descriptor, considering that nobody wanted to play defense. And certainly neither goaltender had their best night. Um, 
Lots of goals in this one. Pavel Dorofiev uh, captured the Devils' lack of weak side protection for a score early, but then the Devils set up two goals literally almost the same way from behind the net. First to Nico Heischer, then to Curtis Lazar. Devils up 2-1. Mr. Tyler Toffoli, Kavi Emter himself, burned Logan Thompson with a shot. You're up 3-1, Dan. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Give what do you do? Goal. You give up five. You give up four straight goals. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the first one to Jonathan Marchessault was just a long shot that bounced off some bodies and it just dropped right for him. But then they just lost. You know, Calfoot commits an awful turnover. Simo Nemec is completely lost in the two-on-one. Marchessault finishes it. It's 3-3. And then... Brett Howden decides to go all Brad Marchand on Simon Nemich, hits him high with in the head with an elbow. Kevin Ball decides to engage Mr. Howden at the bench by trying to dump his books into the bench. Somehow, Howden did not get a major penalty for this one. Mm-hmm. And that makes no sense to me. I feel like if you're not going to call it for that, I don't know what you're waiting for. Nevertheless, it's four on four. And lo and behold, Colin Stevenson uh, tortures Vanacek's five hole for a score. I'm sorry. Yeah, that Colin Stevenson. And then Lindy Ruff decides to use a timeout in the middle of the game. That's how bad it is. Lindy Ruff has realized he has a timeout to use. Did it quell? Did it stop the bleeding for a couple minutes? And then Nicholas Waugh scored uh, with less than a minute to go in the period. But mm-hmm. then Tyler Toffoli scores on a goal that Ty- Logan Thompson really should have stopped. Uh, conceded that with something like eighteen. No, I'm sorry. Uh, less than twenty seconds left in the yeah, yeah. period. So you're now at five four, and you're thinking. All right, this is somewhat salvageable instead of five three, um, and they did salvage it. Curtis Lazar banked in a he tucked in a shot at the post past Thompson off a missed shot by Simon Nemich. Um, I got to tell you, Dan Logan Thompson was awful in this game. I'm legitimately surprised that neither coach decided to change their goaltenders. Um, well, both goalies were bad. I mean, Vanek yeah, Thompson- was just like bad as usual. Yeah, but I, I could defend some of the goals against Vanacek as being hung out to dry, whereas Thompson literally should have stopped like most of what New Jersey scored on. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he had no chance on what would end eventually be the overtime winner after Jesper Bratt hits the post twice. Mr. Alexander Goltz uh, charges in, uh, creates a play for Bratt to uh, put Thompson on his butt, which forces Thompson to be sort of scrambly. And this is important, Dan, because Vegas recovered the rebound. They tried to make a long pass out of the zone uh, to spring a breakaway, except Luke Hughes read it and picked it off perfectly, Dan, just like he's Darrell Rivas, just like he's Jason Seahorn, just like your favorite DB, uh, obscure or otherwise in professional football. He picks it off charges in while Thompson is finally getting his bearings. He's realizing, oh no, I've got 43 coming down my way. Luke Hughes sees Toffoli coming off the bench for Holtz and passes it to Toffoli. Toffoli puts it in. That's a hat trick, Dan. That's a W. That's 6-5 over Las Vegas. Uh, uh, You know, personally, happy they got the win. Wish they didn't blow a 3-1 lead. But hey, I'll take a W, especially over the next two games, where against Carolina, this was a 3-2 loss, Dan, but let me tell you, this was not a close game. Uh, The Devils were just booty in this game, and Carolina played in Boston and won in Boston the day before. Yeah, they're heating up. I mean, they're they're probably going to run away with the division by the time it's all said and done with the way they're playing. Yeah, our hated rivals now have to worry a lot about Carolina. But nevertheless, Dan, Carolina looked way better conditioned than the Devils. They looked more focused. Yes, the XG favored the Devils heavily in that first period. But mind you, the Devils were also playing catch-up early because Dawson Mercer, who's been awful the last week and a half, mm-hmm. coughs up the puck. Nemec is out of position. Sebastian Ajo goes in for a breakaway and roofs it past Nico Dawes. 
for a goal 90 seconds into the game. So you're playing catch up. Second period begins. And Andre Palat, who did return to this game, decides to take a tripping penalty. And literally right after that, Ter- Tivo Teravainen puts it in. Uh, Dawes could probably could have done better. The whole team could have done better on this. And you had another repeat of that on the next shift where Brady Shea takes a long shot. Jordan Stahl's uncovered, standing in front of Mr. Dawes, tips it in. And that's what causes Lindy Ruff to both change the goaltenders and then challenge the stall was, goal for a high wild. stick. That was wild. That made no sense. That made yeah, no like, sense. Yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching on video. I'm like, I don't think you're going to get this, my dude. Like it was, you know, most of the challenges Ruff has done this season have been very good challenges. Yeah. He's won a bunch of them. I will give him the credit there. Mm-hmm. Him and the video staff, they've been picking up on plays appropriately and they've gotten it right way, way but this this was not it, my dude. Well, I don't know uh, why you do both. Like, if you think he gave up a bad goal, okay, sure, change it. But, like, if you think it was offside, then don't punish him for it. Well, it was a high stick. But, yeah, point is, or, yeah, or, you're right. Yeah, like, sorry, Dawes, Dawes, it's a tip-in by the guy standing in front of him uncovered. I can't blame the goalie for that. But, nevertheless, I think it was a classic, I'm just changing the goalies because I need a spark. Well, was there a spark? Hell no, there was no I spark. I mean, you can't it took 12 spark... minutes before the del- you can't, it took 12 minutes before the Devils got a shot on Auntie Ranta in that I mean, period, Dan. Your spark is literally the worst goalie in the league that sees significant playing time. And Ranta How is that a, a spark? Lowest, Ranta's actually been worse than Vanacek this season. Not that you would have known it from this game. Well, in any case, in the third period, the Devils get some fortune. Justin Dowling, who was called up and immediately replaced Max Willman, which tells you how good Max Willman has been with the Devils, which is to say he's been awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Alexander Holtz, Mr. Golt becomes Mr. Assist. Ults. That's a terrible metaphor. Just go with it. Ugh. Sets up Dowling for a banger of a one-timer. It's now 3-1. Devils get a power play. Do they do anything with it? Absolutely not. They get a fortune where Simon Nemich got called for a penalty and then Tovo Taravina decided to give it back with a slash. Um, the Devils had opportunities to get back into this game, but Ronta played well. The Carolina defense really clamped down on the Devils. I mean, the Devils had a whopping 25 shots on net in this game. It, Jesper Bratt, the second goal came with three seconds left to play. Mm-hmm. Like it, at this point, it was like, yeah, I'm glad you scored Jesper Bratt. Good for your numbers, but who cares? I mean, you're going to lose this like game. And a they better did. loss than it actually was. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So anybody who looks at this and go, ah, hey, it's a one goal loss. How could you be so unhappy? It's like, my dude, my dude. It, it was it wasn't it wasn't that close. It, <laughs> it really wasn't, wasn't actually, yeah. And we're also speaking of not that close, and this fastest three minutes turned into a very long 15, but whatever. Um, Tampa Bay, second game in Tampa Bay. Oh boy, this was bad. This was a real bad game from the Devils. Uh Nico Heischer said after the game that he was embarrassed, mm-hmm. that uh the performance was obviously not good enough. Um, it's never good when your captain has to say things like we have to decide if we want what type of team we want to be and if we want to be a playoff team some things have to change mind you nico he is very much at fault of this as as much as anyone since he's the captain but it's not good when your captain is saying this openly after a 6-3 loss mm-hmm. a loss stand where the devils took 10 minutes to get a shot on andre vasilevsky in the game well they somehow and, exited the first period still tied at zero yeah to be fair the devils held it at zero zero and vanacek legitimately played decently in this one even though Four goals went past him. I, there's not too much where you sit there and go, Vanacek, you were awful. It's like Vanacek did not get the help he really needed at either end of the rink. Um, early in the second period, Nick Paul tips in a shot. Brendan Hagel gets a shot where, again, 
you're wondering why John Marino moved away from him before he put in the rebound. It's like John Marino has been absolutely pants. Those like, late like 2010s multi-goal collapses are all the way back. Yeah. Um, when, when they just, you know, gave up goal after goal, the, the floodgates completely opened every time they let one in. And I just want to say like this, this might be a very, you know, controversial scorching hot take. Um, but I do see with how this team is still, they're still within striking distance of the playoffs. Mm. They're, um, you know, a couple of games back, whatever it is. Okay. I don't, the odds are seemingly getting lower every single game. And I, I they are. honestly think that like, it's going to be difficult to overcome everything that they've had to. But the fact that they're even this close, while everything that's happened this season is a bit of a testament to the organizational depth no. that they have in terms no. of like calling people up and not losing every single game. No, no, no. You're, no. you're saying no, they're missing a significant chunk of their actual yeah. salary. And then I also want to tell you again, in the past, they will have, would have lost every single one of these games. They would not have been resilient in them at all. And some of them, they have actually come back in earnest. You cannot well, overcome this slate of injuries, but again, you have oh, yes, to be you better can. than they have been. Las Vegas has oh, is doing it right now. Tampa Bay didn't have Las Mikhail Vegas Sergeyev, is missing Jeanette, who, their top defenseman and their top center. Yeah, they're missing Jack Eichel and Shea Theodore. Okay, and how long have they been missing each of them? They've been missing for weeks. They also just got Aiden Hill back. And again, it, you know, that's not the only for... thing. I'm saying despite everything that's happened. I'm not saying just injuries. I'm saying injuries. I'm saying like being one and eight in back to backs. That's terrible. That's not is. just uh that that's not just a, you know, no. this is a tough draw thing. But also the fact that they're still this close despite that, despite having the worst goaltending in the league. I don't have the worst goaltending in the league. It's pretty close, John. It is pretty close, but again, it's second worst. Then it's third. Yeah, we're it, literally it's, talking it's about after there. a game where, after those two goals I just mentioned by Tampa Bay, the Devils had a whopping eight shots total on that, and they proceeded to only get to ten by the end of the second period. By the way, yeah, Tampa Bay got I mean, nineteen alone in that period. Again, and in that third period, yes, the Devils mounted and attempted to come back, but every time they got a step closer, they would proceed to literally cough it up and give it back literally in the case of Braden points uh for first goal of the game as Kevin ball set him up from the corner and and again and, and, even still despite that it speaks to the testament of the talent that is on this team to the fact that they're not out of the playoff picture entirely at this point no, despite right, being terrible that's all I'm saying John okay you're well, attacking I, me in the middle of my point John that's all okay. I'm saying all right well I'm frustrated Dan because well, you have because a right to be. Because as of right now, as of our recording, the Devils are sitting at 24, 20, and three. They've gone three, five, and one of those nine games that I just mentioned. The Devils are now sitting tied in points with Pittsburgh and Washington. They're currently behind Pittsburgh due to games played. They're sitting a point behind the Islanders. And more importantly, it depends on what playoff spot you think the Devils should be aiming for. If you think it's third place in the division, that's more attainable, actually, if you could believe it. The Philadelphia Flyers currently own that with 56 points and 50 games played. So the Devils have the games in hand to win to get over the Flyers. Yeah, you actually have to win those, though. And three that's of those, the, that, at least three of those are going to be, you know, those three games in hand or whatever it is on them. And it's going to be the back half of back to backs. Not only that, Dan, it means all your games against the Flyers. Yep become incredibly important and the devils have already 
They beat them once, but they also plopped against them. And oh yeah, they get to go play them at MetLife, you know, a couple weeks from now. And we'll get to that in a little bit because there was some news about the stadium series game. Mm-hmm. If you think the devil should be closer to the wild card spots, I have some bad news. They're currently owned by Toronto and Detroit right now, who have 58 and 57 points respectively, meaning the gap is actually wider. Yep. And if we did this recording a week ago, I would be more amenable to the point of look how close they are because they were legitimately like one point away or two points away, depending on you know what time of day you do it. But now it's four points and five points respectively. And while the Devils have games at hand on Detroit, they do not have them over Toronto. And worse, that third place team in the Atlantic, that's Tampa Bay, the team the Devils just lost 6-3 to. <laughs> um, you know, so ultimately the Devils and along with the Penguins and the Capitals and even the Islanders who made a coaching change recently, uh, it's getting late real, real early for them. Because the gap is that much wider. And we're at the point of the season where it's not a simple case of, well, they're just at a slump and they'll get over it. No, it's we're 47 games into the season. The Devils are who they are at this point. I mean, they're almost a sure bet to give up the first goal. They've made the fans so much money with first goal against that. It's it's just ludicrous. It's something like 34 out of 47 games. That's that's abysmal. That's that's worse than the worst teams in the league by a significant margin. Those teams are built to lose games. So I I don't understand why it's such a problem. Well, again, it it kind of is easy to understand. There's a couple factors. And one is the abhorring goaltending. That's that's a big part of it. And what's the other part of it, Dan? It begins with a P. I mean, penalties. <laughs> no, penalties have not. Well, preparation. Sure. Preparation. You cannot start games with no shots on net in hockey. Hockey. It's not hard to put a shot on net, even a lame 60-footer to the logo that Mr. Toffoli was so you know, you know, intent on doing in Tampa Bay last night. Um these guys often are not prepared to play and we and they killed them in the tampa bay game that we just you know their most recent game it killed them in the carolina game dallas that they lost their two it absolutely killed them in the dallas game and it it basically made it you know boston didn't score in that first period but you got to tell me the bees were not the bees are not a team that you can just frustrate with goaltending <laughs> you know no, they'll, they'll they'll go they'll okay it didn't eventually. go we'll just keep we'll just keep at it yeah and they did Pasternak will score eventually. And and he did. Yep. Um, so, and Montreal, again, they went down a little, you know, it was over two periods. But that's the point. Like, these are important games. And now we're at the point of the season, Dan, where you're not going to be playing a lot of, quote unquote, lesser teams. Your February schedule, if we're just looking ahead beyond Well, that's the, the other thing to mention about the Devils that they have. By a lot of different website metrics, at least from what I've seen, the hardest strength of schedule left. Yeah, and and I can believe it because they're going to come back from this all-star break. They immediately are hosting Colorado. They're hosting Calgary. They're hosting Seattle. They're hosting Los Angeles, our hated rivals, Montreal, and Tampa Bay. Those are the home games. Is that one non-playoff? No, that's two non-playoff teams? Uh. Possibly three. Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm not up on my Western Conference standings at the moment. I think only Seattle and Montreal. Montreal. I think Calgary's out, but never oh mind. yeah, Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but the right. road but that games, wild card is like messy over there as well. It is. Yeah, and, and the road games. You got Carolina, 
on the 10th. You got Nash, a trip to Nashville, which is again part of a back to back. You got the Washington Capitals, and then you got you you start you end February with the start of your West your California trip in San Jose. Oh, by the way, there's that also Stadium Series game that you're playing, which is hugely important now because you're playing and chasing Philadelphia. That's, that's not an easy February schedule, man. That's one of the most important California and, trips they've ever done because and, again, they didn't beat Anaheim at home, they didn't beat nope, San Jose at home. Nope um they are they have to beat them on the road and they, they have do. to be just slumping los angeles kings team they just Which may not be slumping them. by the time they they get there that's february True. 15th True. and what's worse dan is that all most of those games that i just mentioned are home games and that's another problem with this team when it comes to preparation that's just almost to the i would almost say is obscene dan well how do you get the dan, advantage and lose it the so devil, consistently yeah. yeah the devils are one of you know granted since you know the devils are 10 11 and 2 at home this season that's that's roughly 48% in terms of point percentage to put that in perspective Gross. the league median and the devils were at the league median last season mm-hmm. the league median 62% meaning and your your middle of the road home team is still winning well over 50% of your points at home yeah real bad like right now that's the islanders that's detroit that's washington and arizona for that matter now granted there are you know los angeles has been bad at home but they have this weird eight nine and six record so it's like they they kind of like the islanders in the sense that they just can't they just drag games beyond 60 minutes and get loser points but most of those teams that are below 500 right now not even nhl 500 just straight 500 at home philadelphia just went under because they've been slumping they lost their last five games buffalo not a playoff team the aforementioned kings they're a playoff team as long as they don't blow it then below the Devils, you got Chicago, Montreal, Columbus, San Jose, Anaheim, all teams that are not going to make the playoffs, stand. Mm-hmm. And four of those teams, the Devils have lost to. Yep. This is madness. And this is games at home. Imagine if you're the one buying tickets or you, you have a season ticket like I do. You spend the money on the parking. You spend the money on the on the you know, concessions that may or may not be well cooked or properly cooked. You go there and you spend your time at the devil's game you bring people you, you're trying your best to have a good time and the devil's completely you know plop on the ice and that's a big reason why that breland night was so offensive to a lot of fans because a lot of people got up for that game and i'll tell you dan i've been in a lot of those crowds so far this season they want to see the devils win mm-hmm. but the fire lindy chance is starting to happen a little more often they may be faint but they're happening well, we'll see where they go because, again, the Devils have a lot of roster turnover to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dougie Hamilton was put on the long-term injured reserve, yep. which opens up a lot of salary cap room for Tom Fitzgerald to work with at the deadline if he so chooses to. I think their needs are incredibly obvious. I think you'd have yeah. to be blind not to know what they are at this point. So um, we'll have to see what he does to address the holes that this team has both on the roster and in the, um, you know, in the coaching staff, I think, <laughs> I think we're we're gonna toot that horn again. I mean, at least I am. But yeah, the I goaltending mean, Ottawa, coach. Yeah. Hi everybody. This is Dan and John coming to you from later in the week. Actually, we've had to re-record this part of the podcast because, um, you know, while the Devils haven't played any more games, while our summaries are still very much the summaries of what had happened. Uh, there's been some updates to this part of the podcast where we talked about what you can pretty much imagine we talked about. It, w- it was a big dominant piece of news in the world of the New Jersey Devils, John. 
Yes, and regrettably, it's not any news that anybody really wants to hear about. Um, essentially, um, last week, uh, the London, Ontario Police Department issued orders of surrender to four four NHL players and Alex Fermentin, of uh, who was playing in Switzerland, to basically come to London and surrender so they can be charged. Uh, and this is relevant to the alleged sexual assault in June of 2018 that involved uh, members of the Canadian World Junior Team uh, that got uh, exposed by TSN years later and led to a lot of uh, outfall from Hockey Canada in terms of how can they be using membership funds to have a slush fund for settlements like this. Mm-hmm. In any case, the London Police Department reopened their investigation, and now that has is coming to a head with these announcements. And since then, uh, we can we can say for a fact that uh, Michael McLeod and Cal Foot of the New Jersey Devils, along with Carter Hart and Dylan Dubé of the Philadelphia Flyers and Calgary Flames, respectively, did surrender to London, London Ontario Police and have each been charged with sexual assault, with McLeod in particular getting two charges, uh, one for sexual assault and one for and bear with me here because the phrasing of this is actually rather important and I don't want to mess this up. It's party two sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that alone tells you what McLeod is necessarily involved with. Typically that type of phrasing is implied for somebody who's like an accessory to a crime or a party to like they're, they're an accomplice maybe, you know they're they're involved in some way, but maybe they didn't directly do it, which is a little odd considering he did get a charge for sexual assault. Um, but presumably more details about that may be coming in London's the London Police Department's uh, press conference coming up on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, this is something that I think obviously the expectation should be moving forward. These two players will not be affiliated with the New Jersey Devils any longer. Um, You know, it's, it's going to be a while before all the fallout from the trial happens, but we have confirmation of as much as John said. And uh, yeah, we actually, we actually have further details about that bit bit of it Um, because as we're recording this, uh, the NHL has their all-star weekend and um, Gary Bettman has held a very long press conference. There was a lot of news that came out today on Friday. And mm-hmm. the biggest topic was, of course, this case. And Bettman stated that uh, the NHL is going to let the judicial pl- process play out, meaning that um, per the contract bargaining agreement, Gary Bettman does have the power to suspend contracts for players who are under criminal investigation. And this is exactly what he used uh, for Vyacheslav Voinov during his domestic violence case Um years back uh, as a reference point. It's specifically 18A subsection 5, I believe. What he's saying here is that the NHL may suspend them, but at the same time, contract termination, that's that's most likely going to have to require some sort of judicial decision. And since all these players are going to be coming out of contract soon, and we don't even know if there's going to be a trial date yet, um, mm. You know, you know, there's not going to be much of a legal ground for the Devils or the Flames or the Flyers to just say we're going to cancel your contract. Um, that's something the Devils did do years ago with prospect Ben Johnson when he was found and pled guilty to sexual assault in Windsor. That allowed the Devils to terminate that that entry level contract. Granted, he was a junior player. Uh, he has yet he he did not play for New Jersey at that time yet. So. So the Gary Bettman statement basically states that, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but basically it's going to be 
we're going to decide what the court's going to decide before we make any decisions. And by that point, it may even be moot. Um, I think you're a thousand percent correct, Dan. I don't think we're going to see McLeod or Foot uh, come back. And to be honest with you, uh, personally, I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, uh, goodbye and good riddance, I suppose. And that, again, changes the makeup of the team, but importantly, is at least hopefully the beginnings of some semblance of justice for uh, the victims here in this case. And again, in, in news that people actually did want to hear related to the New Jersey Devils, um, Jack Hughes approaches a return. He said as much in an interview. He's looking to get back on the ice and have an exciting second half of the year. But also, uh, before he gets back onto the ice, he was replaced on the all-star ice by teammate Jesper Brett and was mm-hmm. also, uh, you know, Jesper Bratt was selected by Jack Hughes in the All-Star Draft. Uh, what a surprise to really nobody in particular as, you know, currently the skills competition is happening as we're recording, which shows you honestly how much we care. Yeah, it's one of those things. And this is kind of a problem across all sports, you know, years and years ago, you know, people would say the Pro Bowl is a great game. And now it's basically it's it's a bunch of competition and that and that most people don't care about. And that's the most popular sport in the world or at Mm -hmm. least in America, Uh, you know, I mean, if the NFL can't figure it out, I mean, we can't really be surprised that the NHL hasn't figured it out. The NBA used to have great all-star games, and now that's pretty much gone the same way as the NHL. So, Well, John, in the effort to inject some juice back into the all-star celebrations, they're looking to get rid of the all-star game as the NHL announced that they would be hosting a quote-unquote best-on-best, which they, they seem to think is only four teams. But regardless... Best on best tournament instead of the all-star game, which I think is a good idea, except for players like Leon Dreisaitl, for example. Well, they're calling it the Four Nations Face-Off. And this actually dovetails to something that happens at the youth levels, because Four Nation tournaments or Five Nation tournaments are a thing at the under-20 and under-18 levels. Mm -hmm. So this may be mimicking that, but you are correct. It's kind of hard to call something best on best when a number of nations are just not going to be represented. But at the same time, if they're going to host it in place of the All-Star game, it's sort of like, what are you going to do? You're going to get 12, you know, 8, 10, 12 teams together for, yeah, you know, how everybody games. Like, what team is going to sign off on, like, like hundreds listen, of players leaving their team? I get that, but I think you have to broaden the regions. And especially if you don't like the politics of, like, including something like Team Russia, then include mm. them in what you call, I don't know, Team Europe, Team Rest of World, something like that. Like, you... you, you it's hard to say best of best when you're missing most of the talent, you know? Well, not most of, but a lot of the talent, certainly. Right. But interestingly enough, they've already announced that the format for the Four Nations face-off is that they're yeah. going to employ a 3-2-1-0 point system, which is what nice. you see in the World Juniors and other international tournaments. They're also going to have a 10-minute overtime. So for all we know, oh, this could be so the good. NHL's way of... Uh, testing out some things they may be implementing. Because if I recall correctly, Dan, the the contract bargaining agreement ends in 2026. And this is actually notable, Dan, because the big news, the bigger news than this four-nation face-off is a return to the Olympics. Oh, yes. The NHL has confirmed that NHL players will be returning to Olympic lineups in 2026 and 2030, which is very, very exciting news. Um, Mm -hmm. As much, you know... As interesting as it was to see some younger prospects playing and some, you know, NHLers that we hadn't thought about in a while, maybe to make these teams, uh, there, there's nothing like a true best on best tournament. And that's what the Olympics used to represent. And 
It just didn't have the juice last time, John. It just didn't. No, it didn't. Uh, there was always, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. Like most people, when they talk about the Olympics, they're referring to the 2010 Olympics, right? Yes. That was so you know, sick. And great. It was, it was sick. Do you even remember 2014? The 2014? No. No. It was played on international ice and it was basically, you know, low event hockey all over the place. We could already confirm that in 2026 in Milan, uh, the rink that they're building, which they may or may not be behind schedule on, but that's like every Olympics. Everybody's behind on everything. Yeah. Um, they're going to use NHL size ice. They're not going to do. They're not going to play the international ice. So that should actually help inject some more juice into that uh, Olympic stage because then you'll get NHL players who are already used to that size. Twenty ten faster game. Crosby, man, now you're making me relive it in my head, and I'm excited to see what could possibly happen because right. I truly think the potential for the U.S. to have one of their best teams in a very long time exists, uh, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah, and one of the big things that hockey has, and pretty much every sport except for soccer, kind of struggles with is international play. Like the concept sounds like a slam dunk. Like you want, you know, forget an all-star game. International play is an all-star game, Dan. It's every country's best players or the players right. that best represent the country. Mm-hmm. Soccer has figured this out. You have multiple exhibitions every year. You have tournaments. You have, confe- you know, conference confederation tournaments. You you know, the European championships is almost as big as the World Cup in Europe. Like Asian, Asian the Asian Cup is big in Asia. The African Cup of Nations is literally you know, the craziest tournament in soccer outside of African World Cup qualifying. Like these, you know, the, oh, what is Conamo? Um Copa Sudamerica, I want to say. Mm-hmm. That's the, the one in South America. Like these tournaments are huge tournaments and they're basically all-star game after all-star game after all-star game with the exception that it means something. It's not an exhibition. Yeah. So hockey and basketball and baseball to a degree are still trying to figure out what the best way to do this while making everybody happy at the club level. So having the Olympics with NHL players helps with that. Having a world cup that goes in between that really helps with that because that's kind of the other problem with international hockey is that a lot of it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. There's a world championship every year, Dan, but that's usually filled with players who didn't make the playoffs or didn't want to go play in the world championships because they're going to be a free agent soon. And so, you know, that's why last year you had Cutter Gautier scoring nine goals for America when he was 19. Like, yes. you know, it, it, it's like good for Cutter, but, you good, know, it's not going to put guy. butts in seats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, regardless, I mean, that's uh, besides I'm not going to really delve into the um, expansion news potentially because it's kind of just smoke and mirrors for now it seems they're they're what, you don't think they're gonna put a team in omaha dan <laughs> you don't think they're gonna put another team in atlanta and try that for a third time i don't know man maybe maybe this if, time if they have a proper it'll owner it'll actually work oh maybe kind of... maybe you're right <laughs> well i will say related to that dan arizona yeah. actually oh, yes. has been looking to buy land in north phoenix right now mm-hmm. and apparently today they actually filed the paperwork to bid for it because you apparently have to bid for it and this is relevant because apparently if arizona may not get this deal done and can't get an arena and can't get an Arizona state salt lake city's owner literally you know there's a reason why he made his statement and why the nhl uh, pointed it out he yeah the nhl's got plan b and it's in uh way up in utah which is actually a perfect landing spot for uh arizona if that doesn't work out because you don't have to realign divisions you fill in another gap in that area of the country salt lake say what you want about salt lake city they are it's kind of like Buffalo in terms of passion into their sports. Like you don't have to be a champion, but if you put a good team there, they will, they will live and die by you. They won't jump through tables, but you know, who does? Well, uh, that's a Buffalo thing. Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. 
but that being said, I think that's all the updates that we had for you. Again, it's been a couple of days since we got to record the last part of the episode. And then while those parts are still mostly relevant, uh, we wanted to update you on the very much developing stories. Despite the fact that the Devils didn't have any games this week, there was a lot of news surrounding them. So, um, you know, hopefully you're able to follow all of that. We'll keep track of all these stories for you as we usually do. And we're looking forward to seeing how Jesper Bratt does in the All-Star game uh, or maybe reading about it afterwards. But that being said, thank you all again for joining us on this episode. And let's go Devils. Go Devils. See you next time.